Hello and welcome to Inspiring the Pack, a Bright Wolves podcast series where we bring to the forefront important conversations about sustainability and entrepreneurship. Bright Wolves is a management consulting firm in Belgium, and in this season, we speak to the finalists of the 2020 Bright Wolves Sustainability Challenge, which recognized Belgian startups who are actively engaging in sustainability through their business offering. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Today, we are delighted to introduce to you Atir from Ecotap, one of the Sustainability Challenge finalists of 2020. Atir, it is great to have you with us today. Thank you. Great to be here. So I would like to begin by giving our listeners a bit of background of Ecotap. This Brussels-based startup specializes in zero-waste cleaning products that are available via automated liquid product dispensers that are located in retail stores. These dispensers thus enable customers to refill their empty product containers, thereby reducing the amount of single-use plastic in circulation. The Ecotap range currently consists of five ecological cleaning products. So Artir, Ecotap was founded in October of 2019, and I thought what better place to start than right at the beginning. Could you perhaps talk us through where the idea of a zero-waste distribution of household cleaning products in Belgium came from? Well, uh, both Olivier and myself were uh, trying to do our uh, errands in uh, in the maximum in bulk. We realized that the bulk for uh, solid products, nuts and so on, is uh, great. But the distribution of liquid products was really not that user-friendly, was sometimes really expensive, really dirty. And um, that's where the reflection came first. Okay. And I mean, this is an incredible idea, but how can you get from this point of idea to actually materializing it and starting a company? Um, can you talk us through that journey a little bit? So we were both having a conventional jobs, if I can say so, but we were both starting to um, to think about changing and um, it may sound a bit cliche, but we were both wanting to have a an impact on the, on the planet and we didn't really knew how and um, we didn't have any idea about this but Olivier and I were friends for 10 years almost and he came to me with uh, just giving me the ideas and I said okay let's do it and he was like okay are you ready to do it and I was like yeah I was thinking about changing um, I, I, I want to, to change totally and um, and this seems like a good idea seems like a good project let's see if we can do it and then we we started from there. Nice. That's impressive. And and when you took this jump, did you go straight from, you know, what one would call a conventional job and, and into the startup? Or did you find that you, you know, did it sort of part time and, and kept in the con- uh, conventional job? Uh, Olivier had already left his job. Um, I didn't. I tried for a month or so to do it part time, but we realized after two weeks or so that it was going to be impossible if we wanted to launch it right to have two jobs at the same time. So I left my job yeah. and we uh, we went full time on uh, Ecotap from, I think, October, the middle of October, uh, approximately 2019. Okay. Right. So congratulations. I mean, I'm sure it would be quite a brave step. <laughs> Seems like a long time ago already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, time at the stage seems like a bit of a, a strange concept. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've mentioned that uh, Ecotap specializes in zero waste cleaning products. Perhaps you can talk us through this because I can imagine that there's quite an intricate value chain from the raw materials in the products towards the manufacturing of the dispenser and then the distribution of stores. 
how do you ensure that you remain zero waste? Our, our main target since the beginning was to be zero waste. The first thing we tackled was the, the distributor, the distribution and the distributor itself, um, the dispenser. And we, we first thought, how can we eliminate plastic from from the distribution and that's where our dispenser came we worked a long time on having this dispenser ready and and clean and efficient and then we worked on the distribution itself um we uh, produced the products in uh, jerry cans of 20 liter and we bring those jerry cans in the shops in the dispenser and when they're emptied we pick them back up and we clean them and then we send them again to the distributor so on the, on the chain of distribution and the dispenser itself we can guarantee we're zero waste the only thing that remains to be tackled is the production and um, of the soaps itself but we are a bit too small for the moment to impose our constraints to uh, to our producer we've already agreed to work on that together but that's the the next step so to say okay and your your product is indeed produced in belgium though it's it's local product is that right that's our second value. Um, everything has to be made in Belgium. So we produce the dispenser from A to Z ourselves in uh, XL. The producer uh, produced in Belgium. Um, most of the components of the machine comes from Belgium. We, we try to have everything made in Belgium and to prove that it's possible to have a viable company with everything made in Belgium. Yes. Okay. And if I zone into the dispenser, so it's manufactured just outside Brussels, so really local. And once it's in the store, what is the electricity usage like? How does waste play a role in that? We um, we thought a lot about having a screen on our dispenser because that would make it a bit uh, easier for the customer to understand how it works and, and so on. But for multiple reasons, we choose not to put a screen on it to lower the price of the machine that would have impact the retail price of the products, but also to reduce the energy it needed to yeah, electrify the machine. So for the moment, the machine is almost completely deactivated when you don't use it. So we have like a small sensor that sends when you put your bottle in the machine and that activates the machine, meaning that the machine only uses electricity when it's in function and not when it's not in function during the night and so on. And I, I can't tell you precisely, I don't have it in my mind, but it's uh, the, the electricity it, it used for one refill is, is almost inexistent. So, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, you really have thought about the entire yeah chain of of aspects and, and really thought deep about. It. Yeah, it was a bit of a challenge to to, um, but it was a bit of a game and a challenge to to uh, try to optimize every little point to lower our impact. And I don't know if that will be one of your questions, but I guess so. It's also why do we have plastic bottles when we want to uh, <laughs> to uh, re? Uh, that re is indeed something I wanted to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we will come back to it later, but that, that's a question that comes back often and I have answers. Yeah, okay. Perhaps I will get to that when I talk about the products. But you've now mentioned that this is one of the challenges that you face. So from the start, when you started the company towards getting, you know, manufacturing the dispensers, choosing suppliers, what perhaps were the biggest challenges that you faced in those starting days? The challenges we had were indeed finding everything in Belgium. We had lots of lots of challenge. We still have lots of challenge, but I'd say one of the most difficult one was related to the maintenance of the machines themselves. We need to um, maintain them every month, and it would be cheaper and faster and more 
and easier to just replace the pieces that needs to be changed with new ones. But wanted to continue with this in this zero waste way. So we we pick the, the pieces back, we clean them, uh, we reuse them to try having zero waste even in the maintenance of the machine itself. And that was that was a, a big challenge, yeah. Okay. And are you still doing this yourselves, the, the distribution, or have you outsourced that and the maintenance perhaps to a different company? For the moment, we haven't outsourced anything except the production of the soaps uh, itself. We will outsource the production of the machine, but still in Belgium and with, um, uh, it's in French, it's called ETA. So it's Entreprise de Travail Adapté, and it works with disabled people. So yeah, we have a small social plus point. Yes. Okay. And I believe that there, there are currently 15 dispensers located in stores 18, around Brussels. and actually, in the meantime. Ah, okay. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. So I think it would be safe to say that Ecotap is forging ahead quite successfully. So yeah, let's move on maybe to the present. Um, yeah, so to speak about the major aspect being the zero waste. And I assume that a major factor contributing to this would be the willingness of the customer to reuse the bottles. So if, if the bottle is empty, that they come back to refill it at the dispenser. What has been your experience with this in terms of customer acceptance and the reaction that you've had so far? There are two answers I can give you which are related, but uh, customer acceptance itself is, is one of our main issues today. It's not really acceptance, but it's customer awareness of our solution. Okay. We're in lots of big um, markets, uh, big shops, I mean, and people don't really expect to find bulk, liquid bulks in, the, in that kind of shops, meaning that they just walk by the machine without really realizing what it is. We do some commercial presence in the shops, and we, when we explain them what it is, they're, uh, we can say amazed that, that such a solution is, is in their shop. But when we are not there, they don't really realize what it is. So that, that's our main problem for the moment. But the people that buy our, our products have already made the choice to go for a solution that is different, that is zero waste, that, that needs some involvement from their side, meaning that the, reuse, um, the reusing of their bottle is not really an issue because they're ready to do it. It's not complicated. So for the moment, we don't really have the numbers, but when we discuss with people and when we are in the shops, we notice that people bring back their bottle and that's not an issue because they're already accustomed of doing it with their reusable bags and so on. So yes. reusing the bottles is, is not an issue for the moment. Yeah. Okay. And are you creating awareness by some marketing and campaigns or is it really at the moment just presence in the shop that you are telling customers that are already shopping about the product? I hope Olivier won't mind me if I tease you a little with the with the future, but um, we're we're actually um, rebranding Ecotap and and changing the the identity, the name, and and uh, and uh, that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, when we started, we had the the resources we had, and and they were good enough until now. But we need we realized we needed something more involving for the customers with a story behind and, and so on. And what I wanted to say with this is that we didn't have any real marketing efforts yet because we knew from a long time ago that we needed to to change the name and that kind of stuff. And so we didn't want to invest too much in, in marketing before the rebranding itself. Okay. 
Oh, well, I'm honored that you shared a little bit of the future, let us into a little bit of a secret. That's uh, wonderful. <laughs> so I, I, I can even tell you more about the name. Um, the name will be Super Zero. Uh, Super Zero might, might sound a bit weird, but the motto behind Super Zero will be by using Super Zero, you will be a everyday superhero because you use... Uh, oh my God, I love it. <laughs> you use zero waste, you uh, use ecological products. And then in Super Zero, we have uh, zero waste, zero problem, and also zero excuse not to uh, buy it because it's it's easy. It's it's not more expensive than a normal product and, and that kind of stuff. And then Super because it's super local, super efficient, and that kind of stuff. So that's that's Super Zero. Now, I would love to be able to call myself a Super Zero superhero, but I think if I had to look at the products on my shelf, I'd probably be shocked to see how many of my household cleaning items are in fact contained in single-use plastics. And this is where I would like to pick your brain on the decision to go with the plastic bottle. So even though we are looking at the more reusable side of it, what was the decision here? To synthesize, we looked at three um, different materials. First one was, of course, glass. Second one was um, inox aluminum or the, the metal, so to say. And then the third one was plastic. The different kind of metals were, were complicated for the price. You couldn't really see through it. You had some rust issues, that kind of stuff. And so the glass was left. But the plastic has a few um, points that are really interesting. First, it's way lighter than glass. And more and more uh, people are doing their errands with a with uh, their bike or by foot um, and so the weight of the bottle itself matters the second thing is that it doesn't break uh, if you drop it on the floor so you don't have any risk uh, related to that third point is it's really more expensive uh, really more it's, it's really cheaper plastic than glass to buy the first time and then the last one is about the energy needed to produce the bottle itself it, it uses way less energy to produce plastic bottles than, than uh, glass bottles. And when you reuse your plastic bottle for 25, 30, 35 times, and then you throw it away, it's made to be 100% recyclable, meaning that glass wouldn't have been that interesting apart from the look or whatever. But that's why we choose the plastic. Okay. So this was something at the start of the company, you really looked at that, whether proper cost-benefit analysis of... Yeah. We modified a bit our message by saying we're not, so to say, against plastic because plastic can be a great material. Yeah. We're against single-use plastic, which are really the problem. If plastics are reused and recyclable, then then it's, it can be a solution. Yeah. yeah. And Artir, can anyone bring their own bottle or is it a specific EcoTap bottle that you would refill with? Second main asked question. <laughs> the, the answer is no. In, in, since 2020 in Belgium, there are some legal requirements for the bottles of the detergent products, such as laundry um, and that kind of stuff. On the bottle has to figure all the ingredients that are in the product, the number of the um, anti-poisoning center um, and all that kind of stuff. And this information needs to be related to the product itself. Meaning that even if you bring back your own bottle of laundry product, A brand, whatever, which one, and you refill it with Ecotac products and let's say someone drink it for any reason and you call to the um, 
uh, anti-poisoning center, they won't be able to help you because they don't know what's inside the bottle. And and that's one of the main reasons. Ah, there are lots yeah. of other reasons, uh, but the legal one was the most important one. And it's also easier for the shops to um, know exactly the quantity that stands in the bottle, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, Indeed. not an option anymore. And it and it it won't be for the rest of the other bulk brands either for detergent products. And now I want to discuss with you the new product that EcoTap recently released, the hydroalcoholic gel, no doubt a rather important household item during the COVID-19 crisis that the world has grappled with. Yeah. So from the position of a startup in Belgium, what has been your experience of the pandemic and how did you navigate the challenges relating to it? The the timing was pretty bad because we launched most of our first dispenser in March, which was precisely the beginning of the lockdown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was bad. But uh, we realized that the, the people were doing their shopping in big stores really fast. They went through the products they already knew. They were stressed and they weren't ready at all to see new products and, and new ideas. And people were really just passing by the machine without even seeing it. And um, what we realize is that when you pass in front of this machine two or three times, the fourth times, you don't see it anymore. So if we don't have an impact directly when we when we install the machine itself, it will fade. And, and that's why we had to do some commercial presence in the shops after the, the first lockdown to explain to the people what it was precisely. And we haven't really decided yet how we we're going to tackle the second lockdown. So, yeah. Yes, indeed. That is very unfortunate timing. Yeah. But it seems that the company has found innovative ways to make the best out of a really tough situation. Yeah, and, and one of the, um, the the chances we have is that our product doesn't really have an end of a consumption date. So we didn't have to throw away our products. We could keep it. And, and well, we, we sold less than what was forecast, but we didn't have to throw away anything. Okay. All right. That is indeed a plus point. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> so, Artir, I'm sure there will be definitely people that are listening to us that are incredibly inspired by EcoTap and, and perhaps they want to pursue a sustainability-focused business opportunity themselves. Mm-hmm. So, or would you say that having a sustainable purpose as a company has helped you within the business landscape? Well, definitely. It definitely helps. But I think that... Uh, We've been in contact with some people that are in sustainable projects, mainly because it's um, like the trend, so to say. Yeah. Um, and I think people can feel really easily and very quickly if you're really into it for the sustainability itself or for the trend. Mm-hmm. So I'd say it's really easy to find some help, uh, whether it's uh, it's um from the government or for for investor or that kind of stuff. If you're really into your project and you believe yourself to the project, if you're just doing it for the trend, I I think it's way more difficult. Mm. Okay. And and this, if we come to, um, you know, people often speak about this license to operate where, you know, if you're having a a positive impact on the community, there's, there's more of a, an acceptance by that community and and that community Mm -hmm. could include investors perhaps. Have you found that the license to operate has, been something that perhaps has been more readily available uh, in those terms? I'd say that um, we we have a positive impact on almost every aspect of, of the business. 
So everyone will find a way to uh, relate itself to to our to our concept. If it's local that interests you, then we we can prove you we are hundred percent local. If you're more into zero waste, we can yeah. we can show you that we are zero waste. And for uh, investor, but also like people that helped us develop the project itself because we we had lots of people helping us from one side to another everyone helped us because in some way they related themselves to the project itself yes and i mean from the other side of it it seems so convenient i would love to just go to a dispenser and have the detergents that i've chosen and i believe you have a more limited selection um for example the washing detergent Oftentimes in stores, there is color versus wool and all of the different options. And one stands there for ages having no idea what to choose. Um, you haven't gone that route. No, because the thing is, we, we went to, to some, It's most of the time it's bio shops. They have one product for one need. Yeah. Um, you go to buy milk and there are in, in, in big shops, there are, I don't know, 20 different milks. But it's milk. I mean, there, if there is one milk, it's it's good enough. And um, the idea was the same. There is a lot of marketing involved in all that colors and wool and, and yes. all that kind of stuff. And the grandmother of Olivier has a laundry when she when she was younger, and, and she she told us when you go and wash your clothing in a laundry shop most of uh, most of the clothes are washed with the same product and so it's possible to find a good product that washes everything just right temperature is more important for example but yeah and it's also about fragrance if you like more uh, i don't know uh, like springtime fragrance or, or they can invent everything but when you find something standard you have a good product it can it can be used for everything and it's the same for all surface cleaner and that kind of stuff. But most of the time, those products can do almost everything. Uh, if you don't request things that are too specialized, they can do almost everything, yeah. Indeed. And I mean, having too much choice, I think sometimes it just makes it more difficult. That's <laughs> always, that's always the same. I always have troubles with that. When I have too much choice, I, I just can't decide myself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I think you've gone a good route. Yeah. Now, Arthur, I want to ask you, what would be your... Advice, perhaps, to someone who wants to launch their own startup? <laughs> my, my advice would be plan everything as accurately as you can and then double the time you think you would need to reach your goal and divide divide by two the income you were planning to uh, to have. <laughs> I'd say that that's, sounds incredibly that's a safe start. If, if, yeah. Now, I actually want to come back to the statement of planning everything so well. But as we have seen in 2020, planning can only take us so far. And these plans don't always materialize in the way we have envisioned. Um, so is there a bit of flexibility that had to come into play here too? Yeah. Um, one of the most important thing, I think, is to have your fixed uh, monthly cost as low as possible at the beginning that assure you that in case of problem or delay or whatever, you won't just have a leech, so to say, uh, against your neck. Yeah. It just lets you some space to breathe. And you realize that there are lots of stuff that you can just not do yourself or buy yourself or that you can just rent instead. I uh, would just give you an example. We were hesitating between buying our own printer for the stickers or just uh, having printed uh, somewhere else. And we decided to just print it somewhere else for the moment to not have so much fixed cost and that kind of stuff. It 
it's not the best example, but uh, it's to say that the, the fixed monthly cost has to be the lowest as possible. Yes, I think that is great advice. And now, Artir, you've mentioned some challenges, but also the successes. And I believe that the future of Ecotap is indeed looking very bright. Um, so other than the rebranding, what is the next step for Ecotap? Yeah, one of the one of the two next steps is the is the rebranding, of course, and everything uh, marketing related. And the second step is that we will launch our um, body care products, so uh, shampoo, uh, conditioner, and that kind of stuff, also in bulk. That's the next step. Oh, incredible! And is that in a separate dispenser? How will that work? It will be a different dispenser located in a different place in the in the shop, because we uh, we're a bit afraid that people would be uh, a bit scared by the fact that exactly the same dispenser um, can give them laundry products and, and shampoo. But the dispenser inside will be a bit different, but on the outside, it will look almost the same, not the same color, but almost the same. And that's planned for the beginning of 2021. Incredible. Oh, I look forward to seeing that. <laughs> uh, now, looking a little bit further ahead, what would you say are the ambitions for Ecotap, for example, Yeah, more, more into the future? Our main ambition is to uh, lower the plastic usage in, in uh, not only in Belgium, but in Europe. Um, and we really think that the dispenser itself can be uh, used for lots of different products, can be used for food, can be used for laundry or cosmetics products, can be used for a lot of stuff that use a lot of, uh, of single-use packaging. That's, that's our main ambition for the future, yeah. Okay. I like it. You really are... Um... Aiming high and and really achieving. So yeah, this is we, really incredible. We, we 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 try to aim high and then we we yeah. we'll see what happen where it lands. They always say you, you should uh, reach. For, well, how does the saying go? Reach for the stars and land on the moon yeah, or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't any plan. We haven't any plan on installing a dispenser on the moon yet. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next step. Next step. Yeah. So um, it is quite well known, I think, that partnerships are really vital, I think, especially in the sustainability landscape, you know, between governments, um, academic institutions, private uh, organizations and companies. So how would you see that perhaps a management consulting company like Bright Wolves and, and also future partners could collaborate and support you in, in your sustainable ambitions? Well, yeah, we had we had lots of support because when you when you launch a startup like this, you tackle a brand new um, segment. Um, so nothing is already done. So you have so many different things to tackle, which were marketing, the technique of the machine itself, the HR for the people you will, um, the, 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 the students, the interns, all that kind of stuff. Even if we had already some skills from our previous jobs, we definitely didn't have all the skills to do everything. And that's where um, partners and the consultant and that kind of stuff are so useful because we can just go and pick the resource we need at the time we need. And again, if I can make a link with what I said before about having your fixed costs as low as possible, that also means that you don't always need to hire someone. In the past, maybe you would need to hire someone for the marketing. And right now you can just go for a single mission at a consultant or at an extern to do one mission, having a fixed cost and not having um, hire an employee or that kind of stuff. Ah, indeed, that is very true. Yeah. And uh, I think you did mention this as well, that you were wanting to you know, look more into, into Europe. But do you see that Ecotap can perhaps positively influence our environmental footprint relating to single-use plastics on a global scale? 
What we are also developing, it's it's a bit difficult to explain, but we are developing an eco-tap system. So it's like an ecosystem with all actors that can be replicated anywhere in the world. We're trying to set up a structure where we have our own product formulas, our own setup of delivery, our own production of the machine. Meaning that if we say, I say it randomly, we, we want to go to Munich uh, to install a cut-up in Munich, we'll find a producer in Munich that can produce our, our soaps, and then a, a transport company in Munich that can ship the jerry cans to the shops, and then a, a plant in Germany, in Munich, that can produce the machine themselves. Meaning it. that it will stay lo- it will stay local, so to say. It won't be 100% Belgium. It will be 100% Munich or 100%, I don't know where, France, Portugal, or what you want. And having a low impact with having a short circuit. That's, that's what we are trying to develop here. Yeah. You have really inspired me to look at my own life and pantry and make a change. And actually, I don't know if you are aware of the hummingbird concept, you know, where you think you are one person making a small change and how could this possibly have an impact? But if each individual makes a small change, then there we have a big impact. That's also one of the things we, we apply to ourselves, I mean, in, in private. I think there are lots of people saying that, yeah, you, you buy eco products, but um, you drive a big car or I don't know. Let's, let's take that as an example. We don't have to do everything perfect. If you just do little stuff on this side, on this side, and then try to expand those little stuff step by step, you will reach great goals. And if everyone does that, it will already be 100 times better. It's not, you don't have to be perfect to start it and, and to have small uh, actions every day. Absolutely. And I mean, I think if, if we had to try and change everything at once, that would be just so overwhelming. And, um, I think yeah. one would freeze. <laughs> you you yeah. could, yeah. So this brings me now to my, my last question for you, Arthur. What does sustainability actually mean to you in, in your own terms? That's a tough one. But really, that's that's a personal point of view. I would say being sustainable is consuming less than what the earth can naturally produce. I would summarize it that way. I think, yeah, that's, that's what it means to me. Do not overuse, do not overconsume, and do not overproduce also. Yes, absolutely. Artir, thank you so much for sitting down with us today, albeit uh, virtually. Thank you. Yeah, it really was a pleasure to have you with us. It was my first time, so <laughs> it's great. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you so much. And hopefully one day we'll be able to be uh, present in a studio having another conversation. I hope so. I hope so. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much, Artir. Thanks a lot. See you then. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Inspiring the Pack. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to your podcasts, or why not share it with a friend or colleague? For more information, please visit our website at www.brightwolves.com, where you can find out more about our expertise, insights, and how to get in contact. And if you would like to get in touch with our guest for this episode, you can also find their information in the show notes below. (laughs) 